Hello and welcome back to the all new, all different number one comics podcast, episode number 44. I'm Dan. That's Bob. Say hello, Bob. Hello, Bob. You have 43 more times to say that, by the way. Damn, that's a lot. That's okay. I'll get through it. Don't you worry. <laughs> we are a comic book podcast in which each and every episode we take a look at a brand new first issue comic book that's newly released and let you guys know. No, I'm sorry. We also break down the story in our Bob. <laughs> we, don't, we don't just let you guys know here, okay? We do more than that. There's more work here to do than just letting you guys know if you should move on to issue number two or not. But th- that's part of it. We, we, I thought we just sat here and talked. <laughs> I, well, I, I guess if you break it down, that is what we do. That is true. <laughs> You're not wrong there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also talk a little bit of comic book and related news as well as what's new at comic book shops this and next week. And Bob, this week... We're going to be taking a deep dive into the all-new number one. From Marvel the Punisher. A new Punisher. That's right. Not it's a, your dad's Punisher. It's definitely not your dad's Punisher. No. I don't I don't even know what volume Punisher this is at this point. So it's some kind of volume of Punisher. Bob, if you had to take a guess, if you had to take a completely uneducated guess here, just throw out a number. What Are volume we of including the limited series? I don't know. Does that usually count as, as a volume? I'm going to say yes. So I'll say five. Five. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to get the answer because I'm on uh, Comic Geek, uh, on the Comic Geeks app, and it definitely doesn't say the volume or anything. E- either way, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back, and maybe we'll have an answer for you of what volume this is. If you're playing at home, make sure to uh, post your answers do, now. Do, do, and uh, when we return from this quick break, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about which volume this is. And we're back with the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast, episode number 44. Uh, Bob, you want to go ahead and throw out that answer for for the grand prize here. Whoever guessed volume... So, I said <laughs> five. Dan, did you have a guess? I thought I said eight, but I don't know if I actually said it out loud. So, I am looking at, you know... Uh, Unfortunately, we're not getting sponsored by them. Please sponsor us. Oh, yeah. But I'm looking (laughs) on my CLZ Comics app. Mm -hmm. And apparently this issue of The Punisher, volume 14. I just, you guys didn't get to hear the break, you know, as we were discussing this during the break. And how (laughs) amazed we were that there's been 14 volumes of Punisher. And also that's not including War Journal... Warzone, uh, those are separate titles altogether. So that's not included in the 14 volumes. Well, and the, the funny thing, I brought up this point. The first issue of the first volume of The Punisher came out in January 1986. Gosh. So from January 1986 to November 2023, there have been 14 volumes of yes. Punisher. Wow. Yes. That's that's epic, man. <laughs> and, then, and then you have Action Comics, which is still on hmm, Volume 1. Technically. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess there hasn't been a new number one, right? Right. At any point. Right. Sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. That and Detective. But, oh, well, wow. Yeah, 14 volumes, nuts. Insane. Well, go, Punisher, go. Uh, I guess I would say go, Frank Castle, but, you know, he stops at 13, so... Right. Now we're on Joe. But anyways, we'll get more to, uh, more on that later. As far as news, 
That's right. There's news this week. Be surprised. I am. Uh, we have just, you know, Bob, it's it's news light. I'm not going to lie. It's not like the biggest news in the entire world, but yeah. That's okay. It's Let's still news. It. Yeah, it's, it's fun either way. Bob, I wanted to talk to you about a cover I know you absolutely love because you and I have talked about it before in private. So why not make it public here on the podcast? I know you love that Heroes Reborn Rob Liefeld Captain America cover. I know it's one of your favorites. <laughs> So it's. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, sure, sure. So it's actually in the news this week. Is it? Yeah, the original art is up for auction at Heritage. Um, It's still got a week left. I want you, uh, speaking of guesses, you know, since we're on guesses right now, I'd love it if you would just take a guess as to where that's at. Okay, okay. How long has it been up? You said it has a week left. Yeah, it's got seven days left on it. I don't know how to get the information of how long it's been up. I, I don't see anything here. Well, Heritage usually does, don't they usually do monthly auctions? That would make sense, I guess. So, let's say, you know, it's been going for a few weeks now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. I'm going to say right now. Oh, we're gonna get sued for that. I shouldn't make that. <laughs> I don't know. Fifteen thousand popped in my head. Fifteen thousand. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, I was trying to get the information. I, I clicked on it, but it, it's still. I, I don't know what any of this means, other than it's it's done. Uh, Wow, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know what any of this means. Uh, okay, so anyways, back to back to the auction here. Bob, right now it is at 16000 Okay. So okay. very, very close. Okay. The closest without going over, I guess that's what Price is Right rules, right? Correct. Yeah, so you win something, so jump Yay. up and down the screen. Yeah, please, uh, audience clap. I mean, the, the <laughs> you know, the biggest, you know, the biggest thing, I mean... I, yeah, I just want to show you that cover art. Yeah. I see. I, look. You couldn't see my face, but I recoiled in <laughs> horror at that cover. Well, I don't want to cut you off because I know you have more to say about it. But, like, just let me say first before you get into that my plan was I was hoping that this would stay, you know, that it wouldn't go over $500 because I was like, this would be a great end of the year. Uh, one year wrapping up podcast gift to get you, Bob. So I was right there, but you know, once it once it went over that five hundred dollar mark, I was out. But <laughs> you know, and I mean, of course, the biggest draw of it is it's original art by Rob Liefeld. Yes, it certainly is original art by Rob Liefeld. And I mean, again, just just like you know, John John Romita Jr. I mean. You know, no matter how you feel about his art, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's original art, and I mean, I know I I know I give these guys a hard time, but I mean they, I mean I wouldn't be able to you know hold a candle to them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, of course. Uh, this is just fun, but but Rob Liefeld, you know, can poke fun at this too. He he's fine with it. He leans into it just like the feet and pouches thing, so he's okay with it. Uh, it was actually, I don't remember what I read, but I did read an article pretty recently. I don't know if it was at the same time this went up for auction or if it was, you know, sometime before that or whatever. But Rob had talked about how he 
used a famous picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger as the really? model, the inspiration for this. So the stance is a little I bit different, but the, the kind of leaning the head towards the, the camera, but the bodies and, and, and that motion, yeah. So I can definitely <laughs> see that, especially with the chest. Yeah, uh, that's a very, very exaggerated chest. But yes, yeah, it really uh, is. Absolutely. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, that... I, I know, we all know Captain America got swole when he, um, <laughs> you know, came out of the uh, pea pod. Yeah. <laughs> but that's swole. Very swole, very swole. I, I love it. Uh, Bob, in other news, right now they're saying, right now, and... Mm-hmm. and I'm going to take this with a grain of salt, I suppose. But a Blade, the Blade movie will be rated R. They've announced that it's going to be rated R. They, they pushed back off that PG-13 or whatever that they were going to originally go for. But is the movie in developmental hell? Is, is it ever coming out? Is it ever going to happen at this point? It keeps getting pushed back later and later and later. So well, I, it, it doesn't. How long ago was uh, Mahershala Ali... Announces Blade. God, Bob, it has to have been like three years at the very least. At least, yeah, at least. I'm thinking pre-COVID, honestly, but I, I'm yep. not. I'm not too sure. It's funny how that's how we use as like a time marker Pre-COVID now. Pre-COVID and post-COVID. Pre-COVID, post-COVID. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's like a, a time. I guess it's it's almost like uh, how how people used to do. You know, talk about like pre-9/11, post-9/11, and everything in, in a pre-9/11 world and all that, in a, in a pre-COVID world. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting how we use that as a marker for things. It, I mean, it, it's so interesting, but I mean, look how ma- look how much changed. Oh, yeah. Look how many things changed. Yeah, changed. Post-COVID. Everything. As opposed to pre-COVID. Yep. Yeah, you're right. Uh, anyways, this isn't a COVID cast, but yeah, uh, crazy craziness. Uh, Bob, a big piece of news I know we, t- we just touched on before recording. I know you're really excited about it. Nintendo announced a live-action Zelda movie. So, can I get your thoughts on this? I, I, you, you are much more of a gamer than I am. I, I don't play games. Mm-hmm. I have played Zelda before, but it's been like the you know original Nintendo Zelda. I haven't wow. played anything past that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been a minute. So, I I remember liking that game, I guess, but it, it just seemed like the more grown up version of playing Mario. So. Well, and I was. Talking about this to a uh, co-worker of mine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I I thought for a minute, and then I was like, so I wonder if this is going to be Dungeons and Dragons meets Lord of the Rings. Okay, I, I could get down with that. I, I, could, I could too, honestly. Yeah. I, I, I really could too. Yeah, it, it, it would be very interesting to see where they'd go with it. I know just from, you know, being around, like, uh, people who play games and stuff like that, that at least the main character of Zelda is Link, and he doesn't speak. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, going, that's going to be an interesting workaround. Yeah. Because, I mean, of course we've had silent characters in movies before, mm-hmm. but that, that's just always an interesting, you know, workaround where adapting... You know, like a character that is supposed to be, does not speak yes. to the big screen. So, Bob, how familiar familiar are you with Zelda lore? Like, is that, mm. uh, do you know a lot about it? Is it something you continued to play, like, in, in subsequent games and all that that came out after 
Not really. Okay. Um, I know there was like a cartoon series like when we yeah, were kids, yeah. but I, I never watched it. I just, this is what I wonder. And, and if you don't know the answer to the question, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I know it's the legend of Zelda and the main character is Link. What the hell is Zelda? Is it a place? Is it a person? Like Zelda is the princess. Oh, okay, okay. The princess is Zelda. So it's a character in the game and Correct. in the cartoon and all of that. Correct. So. So what we would be looking at mainly, I guess, are, are the casting of Zelda, the casting of Link. Uh, how would you feel if they came out and said Chris Pratt was playing Link? <laughs> he played Mario. <laughs> that he's probably a little too old for the character, right? Like and, we're looking yeah. at like a like an yeah. early twenties or something. And that would be that would be a very different movie than what i'd be expecting sure so what are the chances we get one of the stranger things kids um playing link they seem to be all over the place and i guess they'd be like the right age maybe at the time of filming i don't know yeah because i mean you don't want you don't want you know somebody's to somebody who's old but i mean you don't want somebody who's you know necessarily really really young Mm -hmm. so i think I think about the age that maybe the Stranger Things, you know, cast um, are in right now. I think yeah. I think would work that age range, like the uh, what is it, mid twenties, mm-hmm. sure. early to mid twenties. I have no idea like how old these kids are now, but yeah, that's that's my uh, prediction. There, uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say one of those four Stranger Things kids definitely getting their role of Link. I guess we'll revisit that whenever casting announcements come out. Uh, but speaking of casting announcements, and this is not one, uh, Venom 3, Bob, pushed back again. So uh, the caveat to this is that uh, just today or yesterday maybe, um, the the studios and actors have, have reached a new three-year agreement. I guess that was yesterday. Yeah, that was big news yesterday. So the SAG-AFTRA... Uh, um, deal, you know, thank, was reached. Thank God. Yeah, finally happened. So they they reached some kind of agreement. So things can happen again with actors, but uh, but yeah, this movie is is having to be pushed back. So previously it was going to be released July fourteenth, twenty twenty four, and now we're looking at November eighth. So a pretty significant pushback there, but not too bad. I mean, no. November sounds like a great time for a Venom movie. Uh, look, if we if we're getting Venom one year from right now, I'm okay with that. Uh, Venom three. Just push it back again. Let's get Venom on Christmas. <laughs> it's a very Venom Christmas. <laughs> I, I agree. Yeah, so very very cool. Ooh, I smell the next. Uh, I smell a <laughs> Disney Plus Marvel spotlight. <laughs> oh God, that could be really <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, why not? Um, and yeah, the last little bit of news again, the actor strike is, is overish for now. Um, so Ryan Reynolds posted up a pic of Deadpool, uh, sorry, of Dogpool. Sorry. <laughs> did you see the picture? I did. Yeah. So. I did. That, I mean, I gotta say that is so Ryan Reynolds, yeah, especially oh, yeah. from what he's done yep. in the, uh, two Deadpool, the tone of it, mm-hmm. that is, that is so, you know, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. Yeah, uh, very very cool though. Um, super awesome. So so uh, just uh, just before we get out of this segment, yeah. Before I came over, yes. And this isn't really news. This is just somebody's you know um, fan casting speculation, whatever you might call it. Mm-hmm. 
So, I was um, looking around Instagram. And... Great place to look, Bob. Yes. Somebody <laughs> posted um, if they if they were to ever make a World Tree movie. Oh, God, yeah. Please, please make a World Tree movie for one, but yes. And the only person they speculated on, and they had two actresses. Mm-hmm. What two uh, pic- pictures of two actresses was uh, who would you cast as Phaser? And <laughs> the two actresses are Zendaya <laughs> and damn, I'm drawing a blank on her now. I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank on Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, oh, okay. So, I mean, yeah, um, imagine that role, though. Okay, you read the script, and you're like, so I've got to walk around naked? <laughs> just, just no clothes on? That would on. definitely just be a rated R naked. movie. Uh, it have to be, yeah. Course, yeah. Uh, <laughs> interesting, yeah. Um, yeah, it, I mean, it'd be like, what, a nude Jason Voorhees? I guess here's the, here's the question for you, Bob. Okay. Does World Tree still have the same effect if that character were were clothed? I mean, it doesn't affect the plot, I guess, really at all. No, it doesn't affect the plot. So you really could have. I I think the thing about it, it, it's it's just more of a uh, aesthetic choice. Well, not just an aesthetic choice, but it's it's the shock of, of seeing that character. You know, remember that is, yeah. remember opening that comic book, you know, first and 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 whenever we uh, first read that book, and it's just. It's it's Why such a shock. Naked? Yeah. Now, if you just have like a, a lady walking around fully clothed or in a bikini or, or in underwear or something like that, it takes away a lot of the shock of it, I guess. Huh. Yeah. In- interesting thought to ponder. Um, I'm gonna let you guys ponder that thought while we take a quick break, and we'll return to talk about what's new at comic book shops this week. <laughs> Back with episode number 44 of the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. Bob, let's talk about what's new at comic book shops this week. Uh, this week had, had, I don't know, there were some cool new releases. I can't say there was that much substance, but I don't know. Let's get into it. Um, uh, from DC Comics, we have Birds of Prey, issue number three. Are you still following Birds of Prey? I the, am, yes. This, this current volume, I yeah, it's, it's really good. There was a 1 in 25 incentive for this uh, by Otto Schmidt that's kind of blowing up all over the place. Uh, really, really nice cover. Um, if, if you haven't checked that out, definitely check that one out. Uh, from IDW Comics, we got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number 145. Bob, there's some great variants for this one as well. They're doing the, I, I don't know what you're supposed to call these, like Day of the Dead looking variants for, for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That are coming out that are really cool. I grabbed my uh, variant of, of that, but I also grabbed the Kevin Eastman cover, which was great. It was like a Jaws homage kind of mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, I've there. seen those. Uh, we got a new number one from Black Box Comics, a, a publisher we don't see very often at all. This is Impact number one. An estranged son from a wealthy family finds his place in a chaotic city helping others with an uncanny. Uh, sorry, Bob. Uh, Empathic. I can't pronounce that word. I don't know why. Help me out there, Bob. Uh, <laughs> empathic. 
empathic. Okay, yeah. God, I was like, I was going all over the place with that. Yeah, he so was having a brain fart, folks. Definitely. An uncanny empathic ability to change things for the better. So this one sounded really, really cool to me. I was actually really stoked about this. Our local comic book shop only had one copy, so you know who it went to. It went to me. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, very, very cool that uh, Black Box uh, published that. And I, I'm just, it sounds like a fun book. Uh, we got a new number one from Scout Comics. Uh, it's called Mitch. Mitch number one. This is a story about... The guy about... we work with? <laughs> well, could be. Uh, this is a story about one furry guy on a quest to find his true origins, unintentionally stumbling into adventure, mystery, and a secret, ongoing extraterrestrial conflict over Earth and its unsuspecting occupants. So it sounds like, I mean, everyday life. This is <laughs> this is always what's going on. So. Very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> very uh, Image Comics brought us a new number one this week with Petrol Head. This is in a climate crisis ravaged future metropolis, an old, grumpy, obsolete, smoke belching, cigar chomping, hot rod racing robot is one 12 year old girl's only hope to save humanity. <laughs> Very interesting, but it doesn't sound like an image title, right? Like it sounds like it came from, I don't know, somewhere completely different. Right. But, yeah, this is an image book. Uh, this one is very interesting. It's written by Rob Williams. I'm, I'm not too familiar with, with Rob Williams. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, from Boom Studios, Bob, we got Zawa number one. And I know I told you I interviewed the creator of Zawa, mm -hmm. Michael Dianalis. Sorry if I butchered your name again, but you already heard me butcher it 800 times when I interviewed you. So I guess you're used to it by now. But yes, Bob... Such a cool, cool book. I, I will tell you this. When I went to pick up my books, everybody grabbed a copy of this. Everybody grabbed an incentive. Everybody grabbed all three covers that were there. Uh, everybody's really stoked on this book. It's got a great premise. It's really cool. The artwork is very, very appealing. Um, it, it's, it's very cool. I do want to read the little synopsis they have here. Trapped in her mountain home by pollution, the guardian spirit, Zawa, only has industrial waste to eat, leading to her destruction. But two siblings help her escape and calm her with good food. So if that synopsis doesn't sound too interesting for you, the, the first book, I don't know, it really does a lot of world building. You don't hear much about that, but it does involve food a lot. And I did ask Michael because I said, I, I mentioned to him, you know, the Rare Flavors Rom V book that, that's been out that has all the recipes and stuff in it. And I was like, look, your book is really focused on food. There's a lot of food. There's a lot of like fake kind of product placement throughout this book and everything. And I was like, you ever thought of doing recipes or throwing out a cookbook or something? And he was like, man, we were going to put recipes in the book, but we just, you know, didn't do it, which is kind of cool. And I'm kind of glad they did it because again, like it would kind of suck to come out at the same time as the Rare Flavors book and do the same exact thing. But this book is totally so different. It's such a different book. It's, it's really cool. I, I'm really excited for people to check this out and it, to get really rave reviews as it has been. But yeah, this one, uh, there were so many copies when I walked into the shop. And I mean, they were pretty much all gone by the time I walked out. I don't know if there was any there whenever you got there. I can't remember, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, uh, really cool. Moving over to DC Comics, they did a couple of facsimiles this week. Uh, All-Star Comics number three, a facsimile reprint of the first uh, team appearance and origin of the Justice Society of America. There's also a Wonder Woman number one facsimile, a uh, reprint of Wonder Woman number one, the origin of Wonder Woman. Uh, cool, 
cool uh, books to pick up. Uh, DC also had Poison Ivy 16, the first appearance of Chuck, an ordinary family man who is to discover a higher calling in life. <laughs> a very interesting character. And, right. and they named him Chuck, so, you know, why not? Uh, we got Superman 78, The Metal Curtain Number 1, a limited series where the Soviet Union retrieved a piece of Kryptonian technology that arrived with Superman and engineered it into a weapon. Uh, kind of cool. I'm actually a little sad I didn't pick that one up now that I read that little uh, blurb there. It sounds like a fun book. Over to Marvel Comics, we got Gods, issue number two. This one has the first appearance of Mia, the magic girl, a young sorcerer struggling to achieve her full potential. Aren't we all, Bob? Uh, we <laughs> I struggle every day. <laughs> you and me both. Bob, we got Star Wars The High Republic number one in this new uh, phase of High Republic, this new volume, I guess the third volume at this point? Right, yeah. Third phase, third volume, so yeah. Wow, uh, I can't believe we're already on three of that crazy craziness. Uh, we got a new volume of Thanos, Thanos number one, first uh, team appearance of the new Illuminati in this book, and then rounding us off uh, from... Uh, Marvel, we got What If Dark Tomb of Dracula number one. What if Dracula turned Blade into a full-fledged vampire? What would happen then, Bob? I guess you have to read the book to find out. This one was He wouldn't be able to go out in the sun. <laughs> yeah, well, true. Yeah. Uh, this one was written by Marv Wolfman, so really stoked oh, about nice. that. Yeah. yeah, really cool. So um, cool book to check out. Uh, we're gonna take a quick break and we will return in just a moment. And we're back with episode number 44 of the all-new, all-different, number one comics podcast. Bob, it's time for the meat and potatoes. Let's uh, do the, and uh, yeah, you're right. For me, the potatoes and potatoes portion of the show, <laughs> where we go over the all-new, number one comic. That well, we're I don't know. For week. you, wouldn't it be beets and, to- beets and potatoes? <laughs> I do love my beets. You yes, are very you do. correct, sir. Beets, they are very good for you, um, and they're delicious. You know, they're nature's candy. If you listen to uh, Doug from the Nickelodeon show in the '90s, Doug. I shall neither confirm, confirm nor deny <laughs> that I have seen a bottle of beet juice right by Dan. <laughs> very often at that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's happened quite a bit. You're you're not wrong there. Uh, Beets, if you're listening, please sponsor us. Not the headphones. The vegetables. I mean, uh, we do sell love beets. <laughs> sure. Either way. Bob, let's get into this comic. This is Punisher number one. Uh, the 14th volume of Punisher released November 8, 2023. This is the return of Frank Castle. No, it's not. Is this the return of Frank Castle or is this something else? Frank something Cas- else. Yeah, Frank Castle has disappeared, but... Evil will always need to be punished. With new threats rising to claim innocent victims, criminals will need to beware of a dangerous vigilante hunting them from the shadows. Who is the new Punisher? What put him on his path of vengeance? And when the smoke clears, will he even make it out alive? It's John Wick meets the fugitive in this action-packed new saga from Ringo Award-winning writer... David Pepos and Eisner and Hyvie, Hyvie, <laughs> wow, Harvey <laughs> Award-nominated artist David Watchter. Bob, is that how you say that guy's last name? Watchter. Help me out there, Bob. 
Uh, watch dirt looks fun with me. All right, sounds good. We're approved by Bob, so Dave watched dirt. As the Marvel Universe meets <laughs> the next generation of punishment. So that is the synopsis there. You know, I, I gotta say, before before you read your synopsis, mm-hmm. that whole John Wick meets Fugitive thing, yeah. it's like, that would be a cool movie. Oh, hell yeah, it would. Uh, look, I mean, I don't know anything about John Wick, but I do know that Fugitive is one of the greatest movies ever made. God. The, the second one? <laughs> Which and wasn't called The Fugitive at all. No, no, no. We're talking the first only. Um, yeah. Such he a, still didn't kill his wife. No. Uh, it was the one-armed man. But, uh, yeah. Man. Great stuff. Uh, before I get into my synopsis, let's talk about these creators for a second. Let's talk about David Peppos, um, who's, you know, he's not been around like a long, long time. If you look at his timeline here, he kind of... Started uh, writing comics in 2017, basically. So he started on an Action Lab book called Spencer and Locke, if you remember that book. That was actually optioned a while back, but I don't think anything ever came of it. Uh, It was like a, I don't know, like a detective and his imaginary panther or something uh, from childhood. I don't know. It was a very interesting book, but it was done really well. It was cool. Next up from from David, he did a book called Going to the Chapel in 2019. Again, pre-COVID, at least pre-COVID for us. Uh, And then in 2020, he really only had one release uh, called The the OZ. It was uh, something that Wizard of Oz adjacent, basically, like like a story in that universe. Next up from Aftershock Comics, uh, God, remember Aftershock Comics? That was a thing for a bit. Um, he he did Scouts Honor. That was like a four part mini, really really cool book if if you remember that. And uh, then he moved over in twenty twenty two to some Marvel stuff. Did some stuff on uh, Elektra, Black, White, and Blood. Did Savage Avengers writing. Uh, he was on Moon Knight, uh, Black, White, and Blood. Also Avengers Unlimited. Infinity Comics, he did quite a bit of those. Back to the Savage Avengers, and did had some writing credit on Fantastic Four, like on a random issue. Not not too sure what what was up with that. I guess like uh, you know just a one off or something. Uh, and then in twenty twenty three, finished out a Savage Avengers run. Uh, did some stuff, uh, some more uh, Avengers Unlimited, Infinity Comics. Uh, wrote on the Hulk annual. Did some work on Extreme Venomverse. Moon Knight City of the Dead, and uh, yeah, he's got some more stuff coming out. But also, uh, if you remember that book, it just came out recently. I, I grabbed the ash can of it, uh, The Devil That Wears My Face from Mad Cave. Mm-hmm. He's the writer on that, too. So, huh. yeah, some some really cool stuff uh, David has done here in, in a short amount of time, actually. So, Well, really, yeah. really, really the only thing... I am familiar with his run on... Um, or if he worked on Savage Avengers, I am familiar yeah. with that. Yeah, that was his. Yeah. I, has, I have gotten both volumes they've had so far of Savage Avengers. Mm-hmm. That was, the second volume was when they could, when Marvel could still use Conan the Barbarian. Yeah, uh-huh. but, yeah I remember. Yep. You know, now they can't anymore. Yeah, sadly. <laughs> uh, next up, let's talk about Dave. Uh, how Watched her. Watched her. Watched her. That's so hard to say. Watched her. 
<laughs> it's, it's, it's almost, I don't know. It's either Watchter or Wachter. Wachter. <laughs> Dave W. <laughs> Sounds like a great name. Um, sorry, sorry, Dave. We're not trying to butcher your name, but again, we're just the, taking our best the, shots. It's always the open invitation. Come on the show and tell us how to say it. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us the correct way. That's what we're waiting for. Um, Michael, uh, that I can't say his last name now, uh, can attest to that. You know, he had to come on the show to teach me how to say his name, and I and I still didn't retain it well enough. <laughs> uh, so. Dave W. here started uh, in, in 2011, uh, IDW Comics, uh, That Hellbound Train, a title I'm not too familiar with. He also worked on uh, Godzilla for a little bit. Uh, in 2013, moved over to some TMNT stuff and uh, did some work on True Blood. I don't know if you remember True Blood, the uh, HBO show. Oh. Vampire werewolf show. I love that show, but yeah, that was a IDW. I think uh, put out some stuff. It was definitely. This is gonna be a hot take, but <laughs> it was definitely better than Twilight. <laughs> I love both of them equally, so I, mm. I can't say anything. But yeah, they were both a lot of fun for me. But um, he did a lot of work on Godzilla Cataclysm, uh, Godzilla and Hell. If you remember that book, really really cool book. Again, just going through the TMNT stuff. He's a big, uh, big illustrator on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Also worked on Iron Fist, Heart of the Dragon, uh, Corridor. Did some work on Star Wars, Bob, on Star oh. Wars, The High Republic, Trail of Shadows. Went through that whole series there. Did X-Men Legends, uh, Miss Marvel and Venom, Spider-Man 2099, Blade Vampire Nation. Uh, most recently, he was on Planet of the Apes that we reviewed here on the show. So I can't remember what he did for that. I feel like he was the... No, he was the artist. Okay, so yeah, did the artist there? Yeah, because it was it was another set of Daves on that as well. It was Dave? Uh, now I can't remember uh, his his last name. David Walker. Yeah, David Walker was the writer, and then Dave, Dave, whatever, <laughs> watched her uh, was the artist. But now we have David Pepose and Dave watched her here on this book. So yeah, really interesting. I guess he only works with guys named Dave. That's, that's all. Yeah. Hey, I mean. If you're going to only have one rule, then... <laughs> yeah, that's the rule. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what uh, Davis has, has worked on here so far. And then we also have colors from Dan Brown. No, not that Dan Brown that did the Da Vinci Code. I don't think. Yeah. It, it could be, I guess. But I'm not going to go into his backstory. Possibly. So, yeah, it very well could be. Now, uh, excuse me for a second while I stumble through my um, my synopsis here. My, Please! My, uh, my recollection of the book. <laughs> Punisher opens with two detective detectives upon a crime scene as they find a dead family minus the husband slash father. We then see a group of Sokovian thugs and masks in a bar when the Punisher enters and spends a few pages killing them all. Next, we uh, properly get introduced to Joe Garrison, a.k.a. the Punisher, and his high-tech shield friend, Triple A. As Triple A shows Joe his new reaper bullets and joe hops on his motorcycle and drives off to complete his mission next we meet mr hyde and and bob i messed up here because i wrote mr hyde because i know him as mr hyde but he's like dr calvin something i can't remember the guy's last name but this is in, in at least in the book here it's before we meet him as mr hyde so uh, just know that i'm talking about zaba zaba cal calvin zaba okay so next up we meet, uh, so yeah, we'll go with that. Calvin Zelba, as he's delivering, 
And and again, uh, here, I'm going to have to stop for a second because I didn't quite understand if he was delivering the mutant growth hormone or if it was being delivered to him. I, I think he was delivering it to someone. That was like the point. In exchange for the Punisher's dead body. Yeah, I that part confused me a little bit there. I wasn't too sure who was doing what. But either way, he was involved in that. We get some flashbacks to Joe's family being bombed at their home. And Joe sets out to kill everyone involved. He uses some cool shield biometric data viewer thingy. And he finds Mr. Hyde and his henchmen. And Calvin turns into Mr. Hyde. Then the Punisher has trouble defeating him until he shoves the mutant growth hormone into his mouth, seemingly killing him. Then a Sokovian tries to get away and takes a woman hostage down there on the subway area, whatever you call that, underground, <laughs> by knife point. And the Punisher manages to shoot him, saving the woman. And the book ends with Joe saying he's ready to get back to work. So that's my little uh, recap of the book. Bob, let's go into this thing. So I, to the, talk about. The, I'm going to stop you there yes, before please. we go into the book. Yes. I love the thingy you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, the, the biometric viewer thingy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Very, very cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I like it. We a lot need to too. patent that. Yeah, can we? Is that an option? <laughs> because, yes, I agree. Bob, let's get into the story then. The story beats, uh, it's pretty straightforward. It is. Yeah, we, we, we go from, it's got that movie element to it where, you know, we, we meet the detectives kind of working on the case to learn who this new Punisher, sorry, rather, it's not anything about the Punisher yet. Uh, to, to learn what happened to this family, to learn where the uh, patriarch, what, what's it called? What's the, which one's the male? A matriarch hey, that's a patriarch. patriarch. Okay. The, the, the patriarch of the family has, has gone to and, and all of that. Um, and then we get into, uh, not Frank, but Joe. <laughs> Sorry, well, I was about to call him Frank. Uh, <laughs> we, we get into Joe as he hunts these people down and, and takes them off, you know, kind of one by one. And then we go through the story of getting the big bad and then uh, Joe defeating him there. Mm -hmm. and, and that's pretty much the the story beats. Uh, I love the way this unfolds. I think that it's, it, the storytelling here is really, really good. I'm, I'm going to say this straight from the head, Bob. I like Punisher. He's a cool character. Uh, he's fun. They're, they've done a lot of cool things with them. Uh, Frankencastle, for one. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like Punisher. It's it, it's fine. You know, it's not my favorite character by any means, uh, mm -hmm. but, but I do like the character. I think it's cool. So I wasn't exactly stoked to cover this book. We had a different book picked out, um, and unfortunately, I don't know if it got delayed or if uh, it was on our end, messing up the dates or, or one of the apps that we use or whatever, but... But the book that we were going to cover didn't come out this week, so we had to choose something else on the fly, and we and we settled on Punisher. Mm -hmm. And all I could think to myself was, God, I don't really want to hear an origin story of the Punisher. I don't really care. Like, I already know it. It doesn't matter, whatever. I know that it's a new Punisher. I, I did understand that it wasn't Frank Castle, but even then, I was like, I don't... I, I'm more into, like, either supernatural or superhero or mutant-type stuff, you know, something where it's not, like, an ordinary person. So this, to me, I wasn't very excited about, but... Uh, the way that this story is told by by David Popose here is is masterful. Like he really knows how to tell a story. He really knows how to pack it in this first issue and make me like very interested in, in what's going on here. So, mm -hmm. you know, shout out to him for making something that I I didn't think that I really cared that much about and really 
making me invested in it. I, I, I will I will say, and you you kind of you know hit on this when um you know you were just talking about Trevor in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when you did alert me to the fact that the book we were originally doing mm-hmm. was not coming out. It was going to either between be between Thanos number one and Punisher number one. Yep. And I I picked Punisher number one because I knew it was going to be a new Punisher. Mm-hmm. And that was cool to uh, do. But except for a few minor tweaks here and there, mm-hmm. which it's not a bad thing, except for a few minor tweaks here and there, the origin story was basically the same. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same thing. Family gets killed, uh, yep. avenge the family. Yep. You know, go out and punish the, uh, the criminals. Yeah. And before we do get into our review, I'm going to ask you, because mm-hmm. you might have more knowledge of this. Yep. Was Joe Garrison an existing character? Because they were... I mean, AAA did allude to the fact that he worked for S.H.I.E.L.D. So, I what I'm thinking is... Yeah, this is his first appearance right here, as far as I can tell. Um, I did try to research that, and, mm. and I don't see him anywhere else. And okay. also, our the lovely app that you know you and I like to use uh, credits it as his first appearance. Um, okay, okay. So, so we'll learn about what he did for Shield later on down the line. I, I believe so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, this does well. Okay. I'm sure we'll get like. I don't know, a good backstory, maybe some Shield spinoff, something. Yeah, because he, because he, I mean. You know, AAA too, but he obviously has knowledge about Shield tech. I mean, yeah, he was wearing Shield body body armor. I mean, he knows how to use a rail gun. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely. So he he was up there in Shield. Um, gotcha. He was what did they call it? The grave. The uh, grave. What was it? Gravekeeper. Something like that, yeah, yeah, over at Shield. So yeah, it I, it, it I, I would be interested to know what exactly is it. Yeah, I'd love to get some more backstory team. on his on his Shield work there. Yeah, definitely him him and AAA, a uh, really interesting team there. But uh, how about the narrative then, Bob? The the narrative. This one's kind of cool because it does that internal monologue and it, it splits it up with the dialogue and everything. It did the internal monologue, but <laughs> unlike some other books, it. The internal monologue didn't really take away from the flow of the story. It took yeah, take not, away from not the story at all. I, I loved it because it didn't do. Yeah, like you said, it was like it was it was more like thoughts that you kind of would have right. while you're doing something. Right. It was more like realistic and less expositiony, and and yeah, I, I, I thought it worked really really well. Mm-hmm. I would uh, for David Popos to be so new at writing comic books, like. He's really kind of nailing it on the head here. Like this is a, is. a perfect book for him. Like I really want to go back and read some of his other earlier work and see how he did it. I don't remember how Spencer and Locke was written at all, but like I have to think if you know such a short amount of time, you know he's he's writing this. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see what he I did. Really about. enjoy Savage Adventures. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Savage Adventures really done really really well. So then, what about the dialogue in this book? Then, how do you feel that David uh, wrote the dialogue here? And uh, did you feel? I, I'm usually the one that got, gets scared off by a lot of word balloons, you know, right. a lot of uh, things like that. So, I will say, I read this book in two sittings. I first cracked it open last night. I started on it. I want to say I got about four pages in, and I was like, "Look, it's too late." I can't concentrate on this right now. There's other things going on around me. So it wasn't it wasn't the book that 
made you just put it down. It was just no. The it, fact it definitely that... wasn't the book, but it, I, I think it was a a lot of things. I think it was mm. for one not being so invested uh, right from the get go, and then two, um, it seemed like there was going to be a lot of dialogue, like a lot of storytelling here, and I wasn't quite ready for that. But then. As I got past those first few pages, yeah, it was, I mean, such an easy read. Like, I just... It was. You know, the dialogue, you know, sorry to, to trail off there, but yes, the dialogue really works in this book, in my opinion. I liked it a lot. I think that all the characters had a unique voice, and for for, for him to do what he did with, with Mr. Hyde there, kind of group him in with the Sokovians and everything, and, and those henchmen and all of that... Everybody had a pretty unique voice. I liked Joe's voice enough here to where it felt different enough from Frank Castle's, in my opinion. And yeah. that's what I was scared of. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it still had that same, you know, straight to the point gruffness oh, of yeah, Frank yeah. Castle. Yeah, absolutely. But it was, he, it was more humanistic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to Frank Castle, where Frank Castle is just, is just like, okay, you know... Any of the talk besides the point in the mission, mm -hmm. I'm just going to ignore it. Whereas, yeah. you know, I mean, Joe, while he still had that, I mean, he seemed a little bit more more jovial, a little bit more, you know, interested in the conversation. Yeah, and one of the things I like about him as this character here, you know, and getting back to the dialogue and everything, you know, if he's written like this... I mean, I really see that. Like, we were talking about The Fugitive uh, a little while ago, and obviously Harrison Ford would be too old for this role, but, you know, imagine someone like a younger Harrison Ford, like, playing this character, you know, like a guy, uh, maybe in his, you know, late 30s, uh, 40s or something. I'm not sure what age he's supposed to be, but I'm assuming, you know, probably at least around our age, maybe a little bit older. Uh, you know, just coming with, with that straightforwardness but has that humanistic element that somebody like uh, Richard Kimball was that? That was his name in the future. Kimble. Yeah, I yeah. pulled that one out. Okay, yeah, but somebody <laughs> like a, a deep cut. yeah, it was somebody like a Richard Kimball. You know, somebody who who's a human. Obviously, you know, he's a person, but he's got a mission. You know, he's got to redeem himself and everything. Yeah, I God, I, I I hate to keep praising this so much, but I just I really really think that David Propose has done. The impossible here and made me really care about Humanized a Punisher story. The Punisher. Yeah, like I, I, I think the dialogue is wonderful throughout this book. It didn't get uh, overdone. It didn't. It went to some really good places, and and, and I really liked it. Well, a lot. yeah, and I and I do like I do enjoy that, and especially you know, um, com combined with the dialogue, mm -hmm. it's kind of like. This is, I mean, this is the Punisher, but it's definitely not the Frank Castle version of the Punisher. Yeah, I mean, exactly. he's still got all the skills. You know, he still has, he's still doing it for the reason why Frank Castle did it. Mm -hmm. But it's, and I mean, it's the same character, but it's not the Punisher Frank Castle. It's yeah, exactly. Frank Castle. And let me ask you this. This is like another side tangent, and I'll try to keep it short. But like, right. I know how you and I both feel like we're, we're very open and accepting to, you know, new ideas, new things, mm -hmm. whatever uh, changes, mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people aren't. A lot of people, you know, are, are very uh, narrow minded. They're very 
you know, what, whatever. Uh, or, or maybe things just don't work for them. Let me not paint them in a bad light, I guess. But, uh, but, but you and I are very, very open. So was there ever a point before this book came out or when you were reading it or anything like that where you were just like, I don't, we don't need another Punisher. We don't need a new Punisher. Uh, did you ever feel that way? I did. I did. I, yes. And the reason I asked is because I, I didn't either. Um, I didn't feel like that before. I, I don't care. But like, again, you have that. And, and, and I know there's, you know, the internet's so toxic. Fandom is really toxic, whatever. Uh, I, I get all that. But like, you know, there's just so many people out there who are like, oh, why do we need this? Why, where did this guy come from? Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. All of those things. Well, I mean, where did Miles Morales come from? You know, uh, where did, uh, there's, there's so many different characters, you know, that are like a updated version or another version of, of a character that you know and love. And like, it doesn't take away anything from the character that you like. Okay, and, I, and I'm going to kind of stop you there yes. and just give my take and give an example. And you actually, you actually brought up the example I was going to use. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you asked, you asked a question before this, you know, where you're thinking, oh, we don't need another Punisher. Yep. So, I mean, I will leave it at that, that... You know, I'm fine with having another Punisher. You know, I was definitely not thinking we didn't need another Punisher. But, you know, and you brought up Miles Morales. Yes. It, it, I mean, it is getting to the point where is there one too many Spider characters? I, I, I can see the argument. I like it. Um, I, I love. But it it get, it, get, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, you know, just just like you know, um, just like uh, your favorite Batman, <laughs> all the Batman titles they yep. have. Yeah, yeah, uh, it it can get oversaturated. Yeah, of course, um, and and I'm sure we'll get there at some point with Spider Man. You know, people will start to. To, to really say that. Why we don't want new spider characters. But, I mean, that being said, I'm still fine with them, you know, introducing new spider characters, mm-hmm. you know, introducing new characters. I mean, as a comic fan, I figure, okay, the more characters, the better. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Because that just creates more content. Yes. And more content is always a good thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, what about the world building then, Bob? How did you feel about this world... I don't think I don't know if it ever explicitly says that it takes place anywhere. I don't think. I don't think it did. I, I don't think it did either. I mean, I'm assuming, you know, especially in the um, urban setting that took place in New York, mm-hmm. because everything takes place in New York. Yeah. And I mean, it did. You know, I mean, Subway. I mean, I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know there are different cities. I know there are a lot of cities out there with subways, but. I mean, I'm just, I'm just guessing. Yeah, and like the only real landmarks that we have to go off of, there's this Black Dragon Club. I don't know if this is the first appearance of the Black Dragon Club. The only other Black Dragon things that exist in the MC, or sorry, in the, in the Marvel universe, are uh, in the six one six are like Japanese. So I'm though not too I, sure. though I will I will say, and I don't know if you felt the same way. But the designs of the henchmen mm-hmm. and the designs of the, um, you know, weapons the henchmen were wielding, the swords. Yes. 
Was it me or did it give off the Mr. Negative vibe? <laughs> yeah, kind of. So what about the Sokovian henchmen then? Like if they're, they're I, I guess, transplanted onto wherever they are here. I mean, this has to take place somewhere in the United States, right? This isn't in the like right. Czech Republic or anything. So No, no. If, if, if it took place overseas, they, it, they definitely would have said it in the book. Yeah, it, I just find it so interesting because uh, Punisher is, is also in New York. Mm-hmm. So you're telling me we have like a kind of like a copycat dude, like in the same state. Uh, but yeah, there's no real landmarks here. There's nothing that that tells us where we are. And, and again, everything no. would kind of have you think that it would be New York, the subway and, and all of that. I mean, even even the um, even the house that the garrisons live in, they mm-hmm. never they never explicitly say. Oh, where it's we, located. Well, here we go, Bob. I guess if we read that last page, can you survive the night shift deep in the heart of New York City? The crime lord known as the Offer trades in every currency on the planet. Barricaded within his fortified tower, he is defended by an army, uh, sorry, an army of guards, the latest in cutting-edge security, and a team of stone-cold supervillain capable of slaughtering a battalion. With the limitless resources at his disposal, the offer thinks he's untouchable and he's about to learn that no one escapes the Punisher. So that's like kind of the tagline or solicitor or whatever for the next issue. So yeah, I guess New York then. So that's that's kind of where we are. So yeah, this if we're in New York, you know, this this world is already very built out, especially Sorry in, in the Marvel universe. <laughs> well, we didn't read that back page, so what what, mm-hmm. what can we say? But yeah, um, I, I think the world building was great here to Thank answer you. that question uh, again. David proposed firing on all cylinders for me, definitely. See, in uh, <laughs> he he did something that you know most comics don't do. Mm-hmm. He gave us a new location in New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, and the fact that you know, except for reading that last page, mm-hmm. we weren't exactly sure it took place in New York. Yeah, exactly, and. I, I wonder if this Black Dragon Club will ever come up again. You know, I mean, it, it, it should. It seems cool. Uh, it seems seems like a cool well, place. If it, if it hasn't before. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It could be an old concept yeah, that we sure, just don't sure. know about. Uh, let's get into the art then. Dave Watcher? Yes. <laughs> Dave Watcher uh, on art here. Uh, how about his character work? Again, we're familiar with him. We, we did cover one of his books whenever we did the Planet of the Apes book. But... I'm gonna say I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and take first here for the uh, for the artwork uh, mm-hmm. for the characters rather I a plus a plus these are these are done really really well we get kind of that photorealism but not so much to where it crosses over to something like the cull it's more comic booky and, and sketchy and, and kind of grainy and everything but it works so well his character designs are flawless they look great these Sokovians look amazing i'm, I'm masks, gonna i'm so. gonna make i'm gonna make it my own word mm-hmm. it's punishery <laughs> yeah it definitely is punishery bob i love this one panel and and this maybe is going into a lot of things you know not just character design but we've got this panel of the punisher uh he's got the uh sokovian henchman covered in rum and then throws his lighter on him and then he's burning up he's got that mask on and he's in flames and everything god just Fantastic. It looks wonderful. 
Um, I think that he did really, really good with the characters here. I think everybody works really well. There is one panel that I will critique, and it's his his full panel, sorry, his full page panel here of uh, our introduction to Joe as the Punisher with his Punisher outfit on and everything. Mm. I think that's the weakest art in the whole book, um, where the, the Sokovian is in flames behind him, and the Punisher just looks so blocky to me. Like, he just doesn't look great. There's no definition in his body or anything and he looks like a, a, a rectangle with a head yeah i you know i i will i will give it to you there he does have well especially with the especially with the coat he's wearing mm -hmm. you know it yep. would have been nice if you know you would have given uh, you would given a little bit of you know you know flowing and yes. and uh i'll just use the word uh body hugging yeah with the, mm -hmm coat as opposed to you know where it seemed like it may have been two three sizes too big and yeah exactly it just gave it just gave uh joe garrison just a big you know hulking he reminded me of um oh um oh big daddy from um oh, from uh kick-ass Oh, okay. <laughs> remember, yeah. remember the comics? How mm -hmm. big and hulking Big Daddy was. Yep. Mm -hmm. It it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. And uh, flash forward to this panel where he where he's uh, you know first introduced to uh, Mister Hyde and, and all the henchmen back there, and he's in this great stance. He's got this really cool pose, and he's in his full costume and everything he looks great there mm -hmm. he looks awesome mm -hmm. um it's just that one full page panel and i think that that was the money shot and i think it i think that the landing wasn't stuck there so i i do i really i'm, I'm really trying hard to critique this book because i i really <laughs> i ended up liking it a lot so i you know i'm trying to find what faults i can and and i think that 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 one panel was a fault but again yeah, I'm, I'm not it, gonna blame it, him for that i was gonna say if if that if you were to name an artistic fault with this book, that yeah. was probably it. Yeah, that, that would be my biggest one because it shines throughout the rest of it. It looks great. Uh, so what about the backgrounds? Bob, give the stickler for backgrounds here. I'm going to let you lead this one. Uh, if you need to you know, refresh your memory and take a look at the book, you know, it's right there. But uh, again, I, I want to let you lead. I don't want to throw out my opinion before you you have yours on the background. Uh, the backgrounds definitely did my job. Did <laughs> yeah. the job I always say they passed the Bob test. Yes, <laughs> and one of one of the biggest one of the biggest highlights for me was when Joe Garrison was in subway tunnel. Yeah. You <laughs> can see every, every single brick. brick. Yeah, God, it's like. Man, that is some detail. How long did it take to do that? And, and do look that how nice work? it is. He's got the one side that's that's illuminated by light, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit, and every brick is shown there. Then right behind it, every brick is shown in the shadows. Then the complete other side, you know, it's dark. Yeah, it's and it's the br wonderful. the bricks that are lit up. I mean, you can definitely tell that it's a city oh, yeah. where it's where the bricks have been used mm -hmm. and trains have gone by because i mean you have newer you have newish bricks but then you have a section of bricks that have a little that are a little worn yeah absolutely so i mean the back the i mean the backgrounds all the way across the board 
yeah. work for me. They, they passed the Bob test. Oh, so they that is, big time passed the Bob test. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, and, and, and I'm with you. I, I wanted to let you lead because I knew you had thoughts. But, yeah, I think all these backgrounds are, are awesome. They look really, really well. Whenever we need to, like, zoom in and really concentrate on a character or character space or whatever, we get that solid color or tone, mm-hmm. and, and it works really, really well. But uh, Dave Watcher is not lazy at all. You know, he's packing them in whenever it needs to be packed in. So, uh, again, like, kind of firing on all cylinders here with the backgrounds. He's, he's really, really making it work. Um, and I, I got to say, I'm going um, to stop you and uh, highlight another panel. The one where, yeah, uh, the one where Mister Hyde is uh, punching the briefcase and mm-hmm. punching Joe yeah. back into the wall. Just seeing the musculature, yeah, of Mister Hyde's arm when he's throwing that punch. I mean, just the details and mm-hmm. all his muscles. You know how they move and yep. basically, you know, tighten up. I mean, if you want detail. This book has it. Yeah, you, you've got detail. Yeah, if you want it, it is here. Here for the taking. Yeah, I love how some of the graininess and stuff almost reminds me of, of some of the work that we got on All Eight Eyes, like a little bit, just a little bit, you know, here and there, like where it's real grainy and everything. I love that. I love it. Uh, it's amazing. So would, would, you say in a, would you say this, without being his work, this is an ode to Sienkiewicz? Maybe. <laughs> just uh, just you know with the with you know some of the uh darker colors and some of the you know grainier artwork yeah yeah uh very very well could be because we've seen uh dave watcher you know uh kind of go all over the place you know in other books and stuff like it's not like he has like one unique style he he's pretty versatile um but he definitely fits for this book so yeah it could be like an homage or like a tribute or something it very well could be oh in one one more panel i was actually this isn't one solid panel mm-hmm. but um one other i'll point out at the very end when um the the train car going by yes and frank castle shoots the bullet I mean, just seeing, just seeing Joe Garrison, but yes, Joe Garrison. <laughs> did I say Frank Castle? <laughs> you did, but I, I did earlier, so you're okay. J- just seeing the, uh, just, just seeing from Joe Garrison's point of view, just seeing the subway car going by. Mm-hmm. You know, the Sokovian has the hostage by knife point, yep. and then just you know seeing the um, muzzle flash yeah. and, before the bullet comes out. I mean, and then just seeing the bullet trailing. Oof. Now, I have to ask you this, Bob. Uh, again, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get back to art very, very quick. But uh, did you think when re- – this did something that I didn't think was possible because it's very rare that I read a comic, especially from, like, the big two, where something happens where I'm just like, oh, that's not – was I, I was it was a little tense there. I wasn't expecting this. I thought he was going to have to give up shooting that guy – to save the hostage. I honestly didn't think he was going to take that shot. Did you? Did you see it coming? <laughs> I... Yeah, it's... Oh, that's... I mean, it's... Frank Castle would have taken the shot. Oh, yeah. Frank Castle would have done it in a heartbeat without uh, even thinking about it. Yep. The fact that this isn't Frank Castle mm-hmm. made me pause and was like, 
he's not going to take that shot. Yeah, exactly. He's not going to do it. I thought it just couldn't line up and he missed the shot. Like, I, I thought that it wasn't going to happen. And then it happened. Mm-hmm. Which, which is great because, you know, it, it explains, it shows us more about our character. It shows us what he's capable of, uh, what risks he's willing to take and all of that. But it seemed calculated at the same time. It seemed like to him, he was like, I'm not going to lose this hostage and this is not a risk. Like I'm, he's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make. He's not shot. getting away again. Yeah, there's <laughs> not, no way. Not gonna he, there's no way in hell he's he, getting away yeah. again. Yeah. Um, so uh, again, like it, it just really worked really well here. And, and again, talk about paneling and, and, and layout and all of that. Look at this panel where the Sokovian's been shot through the head. Two colors yeah. in the entire panel. And it looks fantastic. Oh my god. Yeah, just amazing. Um. All right. So so last two things. Let's talk about the locations. I feel like we've already kind of gone over that. We, yeah. we know where everything is in this book, and, and it works well. Uh, we're in the subway. We're, we're uh, you know, it, it, it's not a location-heavy book. Um, it takes place in just a few places here and there. Uh, the colors from Dan Brown would be the last thing. Uh, we kind of just touched on some of them with that panel, you know, being solid color, basically. Uh, the colors, they're brighter where they need to be. Yep. They're duller where they need to be. Yeah, they... They work very, very well. Uh, Dan Brown and I mean, Dave Watcher are yeah, they're, they're a great, great team. I mean, again, a panel with mm-hmm. two colors. Yep. It's such a good panel. Yeah, it, it's a really great panel. I, I'm with you on that. Um, and there's so many of those throughout this book where you just look throughout and you're like, this panel's fantastic. This panel's great. Yeah. What a great panel. Um, just uh, amazing. Uh, amazing. Really good stuff. So then, you know, and... and, and you know, our, our final thoughts here uh, is this. Do you suggest that our, our listeners pick up issue number two? I definitely suggest <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, we needed this. We needed to feel a little bit, I, I don't know. I, I, it needed to feel a little less stale. That last Punisher run was good. There was nothing wrong with it. The Jason Aaron run Punisher was really good. Uh, Punisher has been fine, but... Well, and again, it goes back to the whole, did we need another Punisher? Mm -hmm. We didn't need the new Punisher to be just a copy-paste of Frank Castle. Mm -hmm. We needed him to have those traits of Frank Castle, Mm -hmm. but be a different character. Yeah, and I'm with you. I think there is way more than enough nuance here to to make Joe his own character, um, to where he works really, really well. I think uh, my I, I'm gonna say this as a final thought. I think the workaround that they used to make the the costume what it was, you know, the ballistics and all of that, um, to make it kind of the Punisher skull, but definitely not the Punisher skull. You know, and and <laughs> and I was think that the whole time, mm-hmm. and I was I was gonna um, find a way to bring that up. Yep. I, I was going to ask you, what is your opinion? On the logo. The new logo. The new logo. Okay, yes, yes. I, I like it. I think it looks cool. I think, again, I think it was a clever workaround. Um, now, I think that just as we've seen before, you can't introduce a new Punisher logo and have people like really accept it. But you also can't rely on the Punisher logo because it's been ruined by people. You know, People have screwed that up, uh, sadly. A lot of people have taken the, the Punisher logo and made it into something that it doesn't represent. Or, or, or sorry that it doesn't uh, you know speak for for the actual Punisher here and, and all of that. And I gotta say, I saw the Punisher logo mm-hmm. and you know I'm I'm a fan of it, especially how the um, 
the um, bullet clips. Yep. You know, look like the teeth. Uh huh. I mean, you got you got the you know bigger teeth right in the middle, and yes. then you got smaller teeth. Mm-hmm. You know, around. But I was um, looking at the outfit, and I'm thinking, you know, if Tony Stark ever made a Punisher logo, <laughs> yeah. that's what he would make. You know, because it 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 did look like you know the the unibeams. I mean, the eyes uh-huh. and the nose look like the unibeams. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, I look. I I think it works, but I think. Again, I think that that's a, a really hard thing to talk about. Sadly, uh, you're at the point where, like I said, people have really messed up the that Punisher logo, mm-hmm. and it's so iconic. You can't just completely take it away. You can't make a new one. You know, they tried, uh, just didn't stick very well. Uh, it, it it's so hard. It's such a, a weird yeah, thing. Yeah, but... it really is. And then you have that whole uh, that whole thing with you know. Um... Uh, a certain segment of you know the police using it it's like that's the whole you know the Punisher was created the whole reason the Punisher was created was to be you know anti-police yes uh huh yeah um but but yeah that's uh, again we, we don't have to get into to politics here but uh and then yeah. you and then you had the hand logo which <laughs> yeah. ooh that that was a misstep yeah <laughs> definitely uh interesting stuff um uh, yeah bob I'm, I'm with you i 110 percent recommend this to to everybody listening and i think that that is such an accomplishment that these uh, that this creative team has done here because uh, there's honestly not another punisher book where i'd be like yes go out and read issue number two i cannot wait for it like even punisher books i've liked before you know i've passively liked you know they were like oh it's okay whatever it's punisher um i, I really like this i think yeah. the storytelling is so compelling and i think that you know I'm, I'm gonna give all the credit where it's due this creative team is really really good together yeah. i want to see them on more projects i want to see them take other stuff that i could care less about and and make me invested uh i i'd love to see i'd love to see these guys on something like a guardians book i think that that would be amazing give me something uh cosmic uh with this team you know because it's really hard for me to get into the cosmic stuff sometimes nova oh yeah hell yeah god yeah i mean think about how amazing that would be yeah i I'd, I'd, i'd love to see this creative team work together some more they're really really good uh I, I'm going to shut up now. That's the end of our review of the book, and, and we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we are back with the all-new, all-different number one comics podcast. Uh, episode number 44, Bob. I can't believe it. 44 episodes. Yeah. Did I say 44 enough times yet? I still... I... I... I've kind of lost count, but I still think you're in the high 30s. Ah, damn. Well, uh, good thing we're on episode number 44. So, uh, Bob, hit him with the books that are coming out next week. But first, it's disclaimer time with Bob. Yeah, like always, I'm um, reading just some of the comics that are coming out from just one source. So if you want a more in-depth list of the comics coming out, uh, you can consult elsewhere, or you can call your local comic shop and, you know, like Dan suggested last week, call them and they'll probably, maybe, possibly read you everything that's coming out next week. 
Well, Bob, I'm just going to go ahead and say it here, you know, live on the podcast. Uh, of course, if you're in Jacksonville, Florida, make sure you hit up Ben, Jonathan, or Ian over at Gotham City Limit Comics, and they will be happy, more than happy, to sit on the phone with you and explain each one of those titles that's coming out. They'll read you a synopsis. They'll give you, you know, let you know if they, you know, if, if they're interested in the book or not. It's basically like listening to this podcast, but for each and every single individual issue, all you got to do is call the show. So that's Gotham Man, City Limit. you must really like Coliseum Comics. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> because they're going to be listening to the podcast and go, what the hell are you doing? Oh, but as, but... Just like the original book we were going to do for this week, don't always expect, you know, every book to come out exactly when it's supposed to come out. Sure. Things happen. Exactly. <laughs> so, beginning of the list is, actually, it's, uh, it's, a uh, um, I don't know who, it doesn't say who it's by. Distillery. It's an ash. Is it distillery? Yes, distillery. It's an ash can, and the title is Somna. Yeah, this is an ash can given away with the purchase. uh, Sorry, with the purchase of a convention exclusive edition of Director's Cut. Sorry, Devil's Cut number one. Jesus. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure how you're supposed to obtain this. So, did you have to be at the convention? Yeah, probably. You probably got a bubble comic convention and. Harrogate, England. Yeah, so we're probably not going to get a copy of this book. No. Good luck to whoever did. Uh, Good for you. So, uh, next from Marvel, we have Black Panther number six. Yeah, stoked about this. This has the first appearance of King M. Telly. Uh, I I guess is the pronunciation that I'll go with. (laughs) So, from uh, next from. DC, we have Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong. Bob, here, here it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay it out straight for you. We talked about this a long, long time ago in the news section. I don't know if you remember. This had to have been one of our early episodes, probably before we hit the 20s at least. This is, uh, these are gatefold covers that are like those cards that you can buy that like play a song when you open them mm-hmm. so this has like a roaring sound effect whenever you open the book uh really? whenever that gatefold cover opens yeah so this is the kong variant and there's also a godzilla variant that roars so yeah really cool these are like 15 dollar cover price books uh but yeah they how exactly do those books work I mean, I'm just assuming it's got to be like the cards. Like, they have the little thing in them, and there's a mechanism that that tells you that it's opened all the way, and then they go off. I, I'm not sure. So, I mean, does it speaker. does it have like a little, like a micro battery pack? or? Yeah, it's got to have something like that, I'm sure. How would you get something like that created? <laughs> yeah. We'll find out soon, I'm sure. So, next from Image Comics, we have Philadelphia number 31. Which is crazy because for some reason I thought the series wrapped up, but I guess not. This has a guest appearance from Spawn, Savage Dragon. Jeez, I can't talk today. <laughs> Savage Dragon and Blackula. <laughs> All right. Um, yep. mm-hmm. So next, going back to DC, we have World's Finest Teen Titans number five. Yeah, the first team appearance of the Anti-Titans. I don't know. I, I don't think this will... Uh, will be as cool as, like, anti-venom or anything. So, I don't know. Do, do your thing. So, next from Marvel, I'm actually looking forward to this one. We have uh, 
Star Wars Visions number one. Yes, a Star Wars Visions one shot. And this has the first appearance of someone whose name I won't be able to pronounce. And if you want to hop in there, Bob, and, and tell me how to pronounce that, feel free. Um, Ancock. Oh, okay. And that's a cult member who believes that she is the successor of the legacy of the Sith. This is a Peach Momoko book, Bob. This is uh, written by Peach Momoko with art by Peach Momoko. So Peach Momoko, on a Star Wars book, uh, creating a new character, writing everything. This is very interesting. I'm definitely I picking I, this up. Uh, absolutely. I was going to say, I could, I could definitely see Peach Momoko art in a yes. Star Wars book. Yeah, this is something good. I will absolutely be picking up. Actually, I mean, there ha there has been, you know, artwork introduced in the animated uh, mm -hmm. Star Wars series that, you know, could lend itself well to what Peach Momoko does. Okay. Yeah. I'm, yeah, absolutely picking that up is all I can say. <laughs> So, sticking with Marvel, we have Alien number one. Bob, this is already the fourth volume I since know. Alien has been over at Marvel. It's going so. like, to be like the Punisher suit. And maybe that's what they're trying to do. Here it goes to 14 out, volumes. Uh, volume the Punisher. <laughs> uh, sticking with Marvel, we have Immortal Thor number four. Yeah, Immortal Thor has been great. If you haven't been reading it, really, really cool book. This has the possible introduction of the four... And the solicitation, the solicitation states, this is the story of the immortal Thor and the summoning of the four. Man, trying to say Thor and four together is just not easy to do. Again, my favorite possible introduction. Yes, possibly could be an introduction. It's either an introduction or it's not an introduction. Bob, it's possibly an introduction. Uh, if you say so. <laughs> Uh, we have Silver Surfer Rebirth Legacy number three. This one has the reintroduction of the Silver Surfer as the Fallen One, as introduced by Donny Cates and Thanos. Sorry, Thanos fifteen back in twenty eighteen. Again, pre COVID, Bob. We get to talk about pre COVID again. How wonderful! And actually, coming up next, we have a uh, uh, Deadpool title, which we. Don't think we've had a Deadpool title and Yeah, it's been a little bit, right? I can't think of any Deadpool stuff. I mean, I think there has been something Deadpool. Oh, there 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 was something. Uh, there's something ongoing right now, but it's I, I can't remember the subtitle for it. Yeah, there is something. Uh, this is a one-shot, a week in the life of Deadpool where he commits seven assassinations each day. That is very interesting. I thought I thought maybe it would be like on Saturday, he commits one assassination. On Sunday, he commits two. <laughs> no, each day. On Monday, three. Sticking with Marvel, we have Superior Spider-Man number one. Yes, Superior Spider-Man is back. Superior Spider-Man is back. This is the premiere issue of the ongoing series. Uh, what volume is this for Superior Spider-Man? Who knows? Um, <laughs> three, four? I don't know if it's gotten that far yet. Mm. It might be two. Nah, I don't know. I, I believe it's past two, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, going to D, going back to DC, we have Dan's favorite, Batman Gargoyle of Gotham number two. Yeah, this one's got some very interesting first appearances. It has Moth Er, <laughs> uh, with a really cool character design. Might I add? It looks like uh, this thing is. Contains a bunch of moths. It's made out of moths. It's a giant moth with moths all around it. I don't know. The next first appearance may be uh, 
And yeah. Kind of controversial. And the next one is the Virgin. Uh, really cool character design on that as well. Uh, you know, as far as Batman goes, I probably will pick this up for these first appearances here. Um, they, they look pretty cool. Uh, great artwork on them. Of course, that's Raphael Grandpa, so really great artwork uh, naturally, but yeah. Um, going to Scout Comics, we have Ghost on the Water number one. Yes, Ghost on the Water number one. Uh, I, I don't. It's it's written by Jeremy Deitches and uh, Ben Goldsmith, with art by Alex Cormack. I don't know. There's no solicit here. It could be fun. Who knows? We'll find out. Uh, from Image, we have The Deviant, number one. Now, here's one that kind of makes me mad, Bob. There's no solicit for this, but this is James Tinian's really? and Joshua Hickson's book about Santa Claus. So, it's a Christmas story. I'd love to read the synopsis for this, but it's just not there. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to talk about it later, I guess. Um, going back to Scout Comics, we have Lipstick Clica number one. Man, uh, all right, I'm going to try to read the synopsis here. We'll see if I stumble on any words. A fierce all-female gang of shape-shifting vampire... Cholas. Cholas from the borough of East... Bargo. Sorry, how do I say that word? Bargo. Okay, of East L.A. Fights to protect their home turf from rival supernatural gangs. Um, In September, the first adaptation for this... For TV development was announced in Sony's Night of the Cadillacs licensing deal, so probably a good book to pick up. Yeah, a got, good, yeah, good book. Got a really nice cover too, so yeah, why not? And the last two are DC books. We have Outsiders number one. Man, Outsiders again. First appearance of the drummer Bob, a female version of the planetary character. And the first appearance of Third Man, a villain with a secret buried beneath Antarctica. What happened to the two? What happened to the two before him? I hell if I know. But uh, this this sounds pretty damn cool. I'm I'm excited about this. No wait, hell if I, hell if I know was the uh, villain from last week. <laughs> yeah, we got some great <laughs> new characters coming out. And then um, we have Speed Force number one. Yeah, a new series led by Wallace West and Avery Ho. Uh, yeah, sure. If you're interested in The Flash, pick that up, I guess. <laughs> and then I'm just going to add two more books that, at least for me personally, I will definitely be getting. We have G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number one, The Larry Hama Cut. Oh, wow. Okay. So from, from the little bit of the synopsis that I read from this... It's going to be a, um, it's going to be basically the original, you know, volume one G.I. Joe, Real American Hero, mm -hmm. but it's going to have his original dialogue. So it's basically going to be a director's cut of the original G.I. Joe, the Real, a Real American Hero. Wow. Very cool. So I am definitely picking that up. And then, next week, we are getting G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 301. But this is basically, I guess you could say, number one from Skybound in oh, their yes. inner John universe. Okay. Oh, okay. I didn't realize. Okay. Wow. Written by Larry Hama. Yes. Oh, very cool. Huh. 
Well, those are some books that are coming out next week. Some fun books coming out next week. Uh, lots to uh, grab. Um, Bob, this is, we're at a weird portion of the show because this is usually where we spin the wheel. Um, but we won't be doing that this week because we already know the book we're covering because it was the one that we were supposed to cover this week but got pushed back. Uh, so next week we will be covering Nadia and the Nanobots, issue number one from uh, Opus Comics. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess we can... Fingers crossed. Yeah, uh, well, our, our local comic book shop, let me know. He's He's got it in, or sorry, he's got it coming. He's got it reserved for us, so so we will be covering that. Just as, long, just as long as we get a copy. Yeah, sure, as or long as it shows up. Show, next week's show will be points. <laughs> uh, I mean, no, we'll, uh, I don't know, on the fly, just do another different number one, but <laughs> as we do. Bob, that about wraps up the show. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in, checking out the show. Of course, uh, make sure that you check us out on social media. We are on Instagram at ANAD underscore number one comics podcast. We're on X at ANADNO comic pod. Notice that I didn't make a Twitter joke there. We're on TikTok at ANAD number one comics pod. And you can check us out on YouTube under the comic book channel. This and every single week, we like to give away a copy of the book we covered. This week being the Punisher issue number one. All you have to do is use the hashtag all new all different nation on a social media post of your choice to be entered in the giveaway. And we will send you a copy of this book post this paid to your house or mailing address. Again, that hashtag is all new all different nation. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the 44th episode of the all new all different number one comics podcast. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>